But last Sunday, we started this series, and as God was speaking to me about 2020, he said, it's going to be like coming out of Babylon. It's time to come out of Babylon. It's time to break away from the world system. And, and, and some of us think, well, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. No, it's not so much about what you do or what you don't. That's included. But, it, but it's an attitude. It's a worldview. It's not getting caught up in the way the world thinks and the way the world does things. And we're more caught up than we think. We're more caught up than we think we are. We think just because we go to church on Sunday, we're fine. But if you're thinking and acting like the world, you're not so fine. That's the spirit of Antichrist. Antichrist is not just a person. It's a spirit. Huh? Come on now. And I'll tell you who's fighting the spirit of Antichrist. It's the spirit of Elijah. I, I want to walk in the spirit of Elijah. So God gave us five words, five words, and that's going to become five sermons, right? So we got, we got five, and we're going to do the first one today. And the first word he gave me was joy. Joy. At least smile when I say it. So I've got joy. Notify your face. Let your face know that you've got joy bubbling up on the inside. We're still kind of close to Christmas, right? So, and it doesn't matter. It's the Word of God. But I, I'm, I'm taken back to when the angels appeared to the shepherds. Remember that? And, and really, I think, as I said a couple weeks ago, it, it's like there was a party in heaven, and they said, let's take it to earth. Earth needs to know there's a party going on. Earth needs to know that something wonderful just happened. Earth needs to know that the king has come. Earth needs to know that a savior's been born. <laughs> and the world didn't know. Nobody knew. I don't know that Mary and Joseph really understood, right? And, and so, so the angels just explode. I don't even know if the angels had permission to do it. They just broke out and broke out to a bunch of shepherds. I don't know why they didn't break out over the city, but it's kind of cool for angels to appear over Jerusalem. Wouldn't that have been interesting? But, but God didn't choose that. Maybe he told the, maybe, probably that's where the angels wanted to go. And he goes, no, just, just there's some shepherds over there on a hill. But, but listen, it's, it's, it's like this is the greatest event in world history, but it's like God was just dumbing it down. This blesses me because these shepherds were nobodies. Shepherds were not like on the top of the food chain. The, the, the people that are actually out there in the field taking care of sheep are usually at the bottom of the food chain. It's, it's David, right? The eighth child, the, the suspected child. We don't, he was the surprise. We don't know where David came from. In fact, uh, you know, Jesse had some, had some thoughts about that. I don't know. But he said, now, where did David really come from? He looked twice at his wife. You're pregnant? Uh, um, <clears throat> you know, David was out there not because he was all that, but because he was the last one. He was the one that wasn't going to get any inheritance. He, he's the one that had to go out in the field while everyone else got to sleep in their beds at night. 
So shepherds are not on the top of the food chain. But aren't you glad God reveals things to people at the bottom of the food chain? Aren't you glad angels appear to normal people like you and me? Aren't you glad the angels love to share things with people that no one else suspects? They say, God spoke to him? Yes, he did. Wow. Have you ever been surprised that God would speak to you? There really doesn't seem to be much joy to speak of in that dirty stable. They say Mary herself, maybe one of the reasons, it may not, just, it may not be just because there wasn't room, and when we say in, we're not talking about holiday. <clears throat> Most of the time, people would stay with relatives. That's the in. But I think maybe one of the reasons they didn't let them in is because Mary was unclean. We don't want that unclean person. You know, we'll have to wash down the whole house after she leaves. So there they are in this filthy, come on, come on. In this day and age, we're, we, we don't even bring our kids to church anymore. We're afraid of your germs. So we don't bring babies to church sometimes, right, until they're a few weeks old. How, can you imagine your baby being born in a filthy stable? Do I need to define filthy? You got it? In a manger that the animals fed out of. Germ infested. But that was where joy was. Let me tell you, joy can come in the worst situations. Joy can come in the nastiest stable. Joy can come in the worst thing you've got to face. Amen. Joy is your... Oh, come on, give him a praise. Amen. Wow. What, but you know what? In this day and age, people don't seem to be too happy. Even church people don't seem to be too happy. Yeah, just watch them go to church. It's the worst drudgery of the week. Wow. There ought to be joy in the house of the Lord. When people walk through those doors, they shouldn't just feel welcome. They should sense joy in the house. They should sense that, not just the greeters, but everybody in the pew, everyone shaking their hand. There ought to be a genuine, hello, a genuine joy, amen, to be in the house. A joy to be a child of God. Oh, oh I feel like preaching all of a sudden you're in trouble. So, so what is the joy of the Lord, and how do we get it? Notice there's a difference between what the world calls joy and the joy of the Lord. So we're coming out of Babylon, right? So let's go to Ezra. I need, I need to share the stories with you. Will you endure with me as I read the Scriptures? So let's get the story. This is story time. Just pretend you're a little kid again. Okay? Story time. Ezra chapter 3 and verse 10. When the builders laid the foundation, say foundation, just the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets 
and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with symbols to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. Remember, they were in bondage for 70 years. A remnant came out of Babylon, came back to burned out Jerusalem, and began to rebuild the city and rebuild the temple and rebuild the walls. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. Say that with me. Praising and giving thanks to the Lord. Quote, here's the song. For his mercy endures forever. And that's Old Testament. (laughs) Then all the people shouted, With a great shout. God help quiet Christians. I wonder if they'll pass out earplugs in heaven like we do here. Do you think they'll? Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord. Because, because the temple was finished. Because the foundation, hold me back, the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. All right, keep going, keep going. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the father's houses, old men, thank God for old men, who had seen the first temple, the glorious Solomon's temple, wept with a loud voice. They had to be old. That was 70 years ago. So they're in their 80s and 90s, uh, wept with a loud voice, or yes, and with, when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes, yet many shouted aloud for joy, mm-hmm. so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. I love services like that, you know, half are crying, half are shouting. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the, and the sound was heard afar off. Some versions said the shout was heard several miles. That's a shout. That's a shout. Let's go to chapter 6. So the elders of the Jews built, and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai, Haggai the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Iddo, and they built and finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel and according to the command of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. Notice he mentioned these heathen, heathen kings here. Why would you mention them? Because God used a heathen king to get them out of Babylon and get them back into it. Now, the temple was finished on the third day of the month of Adar, which is the sixth year of the king, uh, King Darius. And then the children of Israel, the priests and the Levites, and the rest of the descendants of the captivity celebrated the dedication of this house of God with, with, with. And they offered sacrifices and dedication to this house of God, 100 bulls, 200 rams, 400 lambs, and as a sin offering for all Israel, 12 male goats, according to the number of the tribes of Israel. That's a whole lot of offering going on. Wow. Wow. They assigned the priests to their divisions and the Levites to their divisions. See, everybody was in their place. Good. Everyone had a place. There can't be joy unless you're, yeah, well, we'll get to that later. 
over the service of God in Jerusalem as it is written in the book of Moses. Okay? Then the children of Israel who had returned from the captivity ate together. Say ate together. That's spiritual, folks. If you feed them, they will come. With all who had separated themselves from the filth of the nations of the land in order to seek the Lord God of Israel. You got to separate yourself from the filth to worship. Uh huh. And they kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with, for the Lord had made them, for the Lord had to strengthen their hands in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. Mm-hmm. Now all the people gathered, there's, there's another word, we're going to preach that next week, together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate, not that water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. We're in Nehemiah now. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding, all who could hear, not just hear, but hear with on the first day of the seventh month. We're getting to tabernacles here again. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday. That's a sermon. From morning till midday. And he wasn't preaching, he was reading. Before the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. For 70 years, they haven't heard the word. Now they're hearing it. And Ezra, right, opened the book in the sight of... God, I felt that. I better get up. I don't want to fall out of the chair. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was standing above all the people. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. That's where, we, that's where they get that custom. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, thousands of them, Amen! Amen! While lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God. And they gave the sense, come on, and helped them to understand the reading. This is the word. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. First of all, I wish we would get to the place where we can weep. Because when they read the law, they realized how far away they were. Sometimes a sermon serves one point to let you understand how far away you are from where you should be. Then he said to them, go your way. I love this. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet. And send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. Outreach. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow. Here it is. For the joy of the Lord 
is your strength. Not, I'm going to have joy when I find strength. If you find joy, you find your strength. Why do we always get the cart before the horse? Now, they were rejoicing at the foundation. We have these five words I mentioned. First one's joy. But listen, so let's talk about this joy. So, so here, here's the thing. I want you to get this. In other words, if they would rejoice before they saw it, they would see it. If some of us can start rejoicing before we get it, maybe that's what you need to get it. We need to start rejoicing over, instead of fussing at your loved ones, you need to start rejoicing over your loved ones and say, I believe I see you saved and I'm happy. Amen. I see God healing your body and I'm rejoicing right now. It's time to see something. Amen. And rejoice over what will be so that it will be. Somebody help me in the house. Wow. You know, naturally, we, we think, you know, I, I, I got to work my way out of this mess. I got to get through this. Someday I'll be happy if I can just get. No, no. Quit thinking you got to work through something. Just start rejoicing. But I don't feel like I don't. I didn't talk about what you felt. I just told you you have a choice to make. And it's not based on what you feel. I like this quote from Bill Johnson. Listen to this. You may, you may have to chew on this. In the world, in the world, you rejoice when you're joyful. But in the kingdom, you get joyful by rejoicing. You, you may ought to write that down because you're, you may, you, some of you, this, this half of the church got it. This half didn't get it over here. I don't know what's wrong with y'all. All right? In the world... You rejoice when you're joyful. In other words, when you feel it, you may show it. But in the, but, hmm, but in the kingdom, you get joyful by choosing to rejoice. What's it saying? Regardless of how you feel, you shout anyway. Regardless of what's going on in your life, you put on a smile. Well, that's faking it. That's not faking it. That's understanding. It's understanding what I'm going through isn't near as real as what I'm going to go through. Amen. What the end result, amen, is real. God planned. The devil planned this, but God planned the end. Amen. And it's going to be all right. So I have every right to rejoice today. I'm not faking it. I'm just looking ahead. I'm not pretending anything oh glory to God it's time to make a choice when you get up in the morning and you got aches and pains just go hallelujah I'll raise a hallelujah did you hear all the words to that song? Listen, we need to raise a shout. Raise a hallelujah. Listen, let me tell you something. Nothing messes the devil up more than you being happy when you don't have a reason. He says, I threw that at him. I threw this at him. I messed this up. That's not going right. And they're acting like, woo! Because as bad as this is, it's going to get good. 
You get joyful by rejoicing. Nehemiah 8.12. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And, and they rejoice because they understood the word. They understood the word. It's all about the word. When the Magi, the three kings, saw the child, it said they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. The Greek, if you understood the Greek word, is, the Greek word actually means not just exceeding, but violently. They didn't just say, no, we're talking about the violent take it by force. Listen, if you're rejoicing violently, everybody around you knows it. You're having a party. Come on now. You're dancing, you're shouting, you're running, you're crying. You're, man, you're just, you're, you're, amen. I mean, uh, you got to think of the most, uh, the birth of your child. Great joy. Mm. What in the world were they rejoicing at? A child uh, wrapped in rags in a manger. Three, can you imagine these three kings coming in? there's nothing there to be happy about. And here, let me give you this. There wasn't a thing that baby could do for those three kings. Yet they had great joy. Not because of what was happening in that nasty stable, but they had great joy because they knew what this child would do. They knew who this child really was. My God, I tell you, you may not totally understand all this religions, all this spiritual stuff, but I'm telling you, you can look at the baby Jesus. You can look at your baby experience and you say, something great's coming of this. Something great's going to happen. You can have joy. Choose to rejoice. Boy, if we could start doing this every day, it, it's something you have to practice. Amen. Remember when you were growing up, your parents would say, quit making that face. Your face is going to stay like that. That happened to some of you. It takes more muscles for you to smile than frown. You know what they rejoiced at? They rejoiced at his presence. You know what that also tells me? Jesus isn't picky about where he shows up. In fact, he seems to have a tendency to show up in people's brokenness and people's messes. He, has a, uh, hmm, he loves to show up in, in dirty places, places where church people won't go. That's where Jesus shows up. You've heard that many times the story about the poor, guy, poor homeless guy sitting on the steps of the church and they wouldn't let him in the church because he smelled bad and looked bad. People like that, churches like that, they wouldn't even let Jesus in. They're afraid they'd get a little blood on the carpet. Are you getting me? Are you feeling me? Listen, there's no end to this joy. Isaiah 9, 8, 9, 7. There's no end to what God is going to do. His peace, his government, his joy. It, it's increasing. Listen, it can increase. Amen. The zeal of his house, the increase of his government and peace. And listen, joy and peace are the same coin. 
You got joy, you got peace, you got peace, you got joy. It's the same thing. It's the back backside of the corn. Amen. There's a connection between joy and preparing room. There's not going to be joy until you learn how to rejoice at his presence. Not rejoicing just because they're singing your favorite song, but I'm rejoicing because this is his house. I'm rejoicing. Well, well, the church didn't want it to. Well, you know what? They were rejoicing just at the foundation being laid. They were rejoicing. Amen. The church may not be what you want it to be, but that doesn't give you the reason to grumble and complain and criticize. He said rejoice even at the foundation. If we've just started this thing, let's rejoice. If we're moving in the right direction, let's rejoice. Wow. How many are still with me? Let me illustrate this. How many remember the parable of the talents? Matthew 25. I won't read the whole story, but verse 21. And remember I said, this was my first sermon I ever preached. His uh, Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful. Listen, when you get to heaven, you're not going to be judged by how pastors, how big a church you have. You're not going to be judged by all this. Rewards maybe based on what you did, but you're not going to be judged on what you've done. You're going to be judged on whether or not you were faithful. If you could just be faithful, you're okay. See, if you got that, that would be life-changing. Because some of us think God's going to be so happy that I came to church every Sunday. He's just going to be so just because you came to church, I mean, I mean, I guess that's part of faithfulness, but faithfulness is a lifestyle. You might even have to start coming to church every Sunday. <laughs> well done, say well done. Thou good and faithful servant, you were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over Many things enter into the joy of your Lord. Hmm. You know, I never really thought of it this way because I, I guess in my head I sometimes think about I get more cities. So I, in my, it's like, oh, I'm going to reward you more. Actually, what he's saying is you've done a good job, so I'm going to put more on you now. <laughs> you've been faithful over a few things. Remember the city thing? He said, you had five cities, you were faithful over five, so now I'll give you five more. You see, when you're faithful, God increases responsibility. Oh, let that sink in. But as responsibility, now here's, but here's the key, because that, that's a downer thought right there, maybe. But watch this. Here's what he's saying, because it's parallel. As responsibility increases, your joy increases. Now, I know people say, I'm burned out. That's because you're not doing what God told you to do. You're adding to. Yes, I know I'm preaching to myself. We take things on. I got to do this. I got to do that. Really? Why don't you just do what he told you to do? Well, if I just do what God told me to do, some of you would be upset with me. Uh -oh. 
That's why that's why pastors burn out because they're they're try, they're 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 afraid of the expectation of the people instead of the expectation of God. Hello, I know that doesn't apply to any of you, but I just thought I'd preach to myself. Enter the joy of the Lord. They're linked together. You should have more joy as you increase responsibility. As you become more involved in what God's called you to do and be, your joy should be increasing at the... And that's the problem a lot of churches today is they're trying to entertain. They're trying to put on a show. And the problem with the show is that it's the law of diminishing returns. You can do more. You can put on a better show than you've ever put on. But what were they expecting? Remember last week I told you about Star Wars. A lot of people think the first movie, well, the best movie was the first movie. Because it just blew us away. We go, whoa. Well, the special effects in the last movie are a are hundred times what the first movie was. But we expect it. The law of diminishing returns. It's like the more you put into it, the less you get out of it. And that's why, listen, church, if you're doing this, oh, can I say this? If you're doing this in your own power, then you have to pay the price. And sooner or later, boy, I hope pastors are hearing this all over the country. Sooner or later, you're going to be doing something in your own power, and you can't afford to pay the price. It's going to be too much. Jesus already paid the price. If you do it his way. If you do it his way, it's already paid for. Maybe that's why there's joy. Joy only comes when we co-labor with God. This gives us identity, which leads to peace and joy. Let me finish. John 16, verse 21. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy. That a human being has been born into the world. Wow. Therefore, you now have sorrow. But I will see you again and your heart will rejoice. And your joy no one will take from you. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father, in my name he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy, wow, you see a connection? Maybe we're not receiving because of the way we pray. Oh, God, please, please, please. And really our prayer is just a complaint. And complaints have a part, I know, read the book of Psalms. David was good at it. But ultimately, in all David's complaints, he, he tells God how he feels. But how many know in every one of those complaint psalms, he, he gets to the point where he says, but, but my God, I believe he's coming through. 
I really feel bad today, but he's coming through. God's going to do an amazing thing. 